0: We're going to have communion today, but I want to, I want to preach a little first. And, uh, we started on a review of revelation and I want us to go a little further. I want us to the revelation of righteousness. And, uh, I've been doing an exposition on righteousness for Whitaker on the EW Kenyon series. And first and foremost, I want to give you a disclaimer. One, he's not the final on everything. I know I refer to him a lot because he was a tremendous foundation for me, but he's not the final. And there were some things that he just didn't get, and other things that he sort of was um, a product of his time. One of those things was Israel. He, he, He blew Israel completely. He didn't understand Romans eleven twenty five. 25, be ignorant of this mystery, lest you're wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, and then all Israel shall be saved. He sort of had a little hiccup on the part of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob covenant that said, this is your land forever. He sort of had a hiccup where the prophet said he would that that he would scatter them to all four corners of the earth, but then would regather them, and that when he did, that there would be a time and a shift, and furthermore, that the Messiah was returning to Mount Zion, to Jerusalem. He just didn't deal with that, but that was a product of his times. And um, so with my exposition, I'm bringing in the enlightenment of today and what we already know. It's not hard to be prophetic about what already happened. And uh, and also an understanding that 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 what he built upon is a good platform to continue going. Now, there are those who are purists, right? They're purists in any one message. And so they just stay right in that message. Well, we're purists in the total foundation of the word of God, not in one segment of it. There's not just a faith message. There's not just a righteousness message. There's not just a grace message. There's not just a love message. There's a full full and there's not just a wisdom message i'm just thinking of some of the messages that are out there those are good and when you need it it's good to go to but it's not the only message we want the full round balance of the word of god and uh, when we receive that then we walk in the total victory of who god is either we have all of him or we have pieces of him. Pieces of him doesn't get us to where he wants us to be. So we're dealing with the aspect of righteousness, but we're expounding on it. So that if you happen to be reading uh, E.W. Kenyon's book on the two kinds of righteousness, you're gonna say, wow, uh frank's taken a lot of license with this yes i am but i'm not disputing the truths that he has in there we're expanding on them and we're bringing them into the light of the presence day today and what the lord has us to do so that being said i will not go back over what i did last week last week we talked about what an exposition is and that's a commentary and an appraisal and it continues to grow and that's what i am doing Uh, as an assignment, but I'm using that to build upon a foundation for us in our ministry, a keeper. If we can grasp the totality of who we are in Christ, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. No disease can take you down. Now you say, Pastor, that sounds uh, euphoric. That sounds like something that, you know, is from another world. Exactly right. It's from another world. And in this instance, we are those that can bring heaven to earth. That prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come here on earth is for the now. It's not for the great by and by. It's not after you go to heaven and return back in some kingdom age. It's for now. We are those, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. But the righteousness of God in Christ is just a part of whom we are, but yet it's in its totality. So let me go on with this. First and foremost, our ultimate goal is what? To always reach for divine truth. Our basis is divine truth. Truth is what God has. Remember Pontius Pilate, he was so confused. He knew that he had a righteous man in front of him who had not sinned. He goes, what is truth? What is truth? Because the truth of the Roman Empire wasn't cutting it for him. The truth of the Sanhedrin wasn't cutting it for him. He was probably at one point looking at the Jewish faith and wondering if they had the truth. But when he saw how the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and Herod were living, he said, that can't be truth because this doesn't resemble righteousness. Truth is always aligned with justice. Justice is equivalent to righteousness. That's why there are so many religions in the world trying to reconcile man with his own injustice, trying to reconcile every created creature that breathes and talks like a human being into an idea of how to overcome a sin consciousness. These are words that we're gonna be dealing with and talking about. And this is a practice that I'm gonna encourage you to continue and to enter into and to recall. This is what we call sharpening our sword daily to overcome. We have to recall who we are, and who we are is equal to the totality of who we is if we receive it. If we don't receive it, we don't have it. So, let's go on. The ultimate goal is reaching for a divine, sovereign truth. We want the truth of God. We want the immutable truths of God that we can rely upon for everything in our life. We want to not only be able to stand upon the written word, we want to be able to stand on our revelation of who God is is in our heart, in our mind, and in our confession of our mouth. That's how we walk victoriously. That's how we change the forces here on earth and I'd written that we can obtain a righteousness that will give us perfect fellowship with the Father. Stop and think about that a moment. You can obtain a perfect righteousness that will give you perfect fellowship with the Father, and it will develop in you a consciousness that allows you to have a mastery over the forces of evil. Now, is that something that you say you'd want? Do you want me to repeat it? Was it too much all at once? let me go through it because it's extremely important. We can obtain a righteousness. It means you can have it. It's not away from you, you can grasp it. So many religions, even Christian religions, wanna teach us that we have to walk in failure and accept it. We have to take it like Jesus took it. We have to take the lashes. We have to suffer in order to be found accountable unto God, that's not truth. That's man's reasoning, that's religion. And so you have the Buddhists who are looking for one way out. You have the Hindus who want another way out. You have the the Muslims who, what, they ultimately say, you know, you can get to somewhere maybe in the heavenlies with a God that you don't know only if you do certain things. We have many different forms of religion, theologies, philosophies, all trying to deal with the same thing. How do we overcome our sin consciousness? How do we overcome injustice? How do we overcome our inferiority complexes that we have with us being subject to the whims of the world? And there's a way out. Now I'm looking at you and I see I'm getting your interest and you are, the most of you are seasoned Christians. So I want to move on in this because I believe that when the body of Christ, when the ecclesia here on earth today The people that are called, us, to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, when we fully grasp this and put it in action in our lives, not just hear it in church, not just repeat nice phrases of scriptures, not just have moments of experiences of power and righteousness, when we truly accept that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, there is nothing that's going to hold us back as a body of Christ. We will overcome everything. We will be those who are victors here on earth. And even though hell and darkness may cover the earth, you shall stand in the victory of the glory of God, even as the prophet wrote. Gross darkness shall cover the earth, but you will stand in the victory of the glory of God. We need to prepare for that, beloved. We need to prepare for that. I'm not a pastor who preaches to you, just hold on because the escape is coming as the rapture. Never have been and never will be. We need to overcome. We need to stand. We need to be strong. We're not feebles that are looking for weebles to get the way out. We are strong people, and we need to understand we have the power. We don't need to fear the darkness that's coming on the earth. We should be those that says to the darkness, you need to fear us. Although 10,000 shall fall at my feet, not one hair of my head shall be touched. That's the power we need to walk with. It all has to start with our consciousness of who we are, not who we were and not who someone else isn't who we are. And so we can obtain this righteousness. It gives us perfect fellowship with God. If you are in perfect fellowship with God, that means that everything he is and has is being reconciled with you right now. In the present and we're gonna build upon Scripture and word on a strong foundation and hold on to it now some of you might say well I, I sort of have gotten this before here's my question to you are you living it you might have gotten it but are you living it when suddenly comes upon you when something is cast upon you when you have a disappointment When you are persecuted, when things are railed and said against you, when your body's afflicted, are you living it to know that you will overcome? You see, you want to settle that in your spirit right now. Right now, settle it into your spirit and your mind. So this is going to be a course and a journey together that will help us rebuild that within our natures. And prayerfully, one that will be used by many, many other people. You can be a master over the forces of darkness. Stop and think about that a minute. You've heard it so many times. You've heard about spiritual warfare. You've heard about the fact that, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. We understand that every knee must bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But do you have a consciousness? Can you honestly say, I walk in a consciousness that I am a master over all of the evil forces? I want you to be able to get there. And the way you get there is with the understanding in your heart and a confession of your mouth. I can do all things through Christ in me. The righteousness of God allows me to be fellowship in him. And if he is for me, if he is with me, if he is in me, who can be against me? Nobody. You see, it's good to say these things, but it's better to live these things. And I want you to be able to to walk into that path, that that style of life. You know, we all settle into lifestyles, don't we? I mean, how many times have you seen somebody wins the lottery? They won so much money, they don't know what to do with it. And it seems a lot of them, within a few years, find their way back to the lifestyle that they were in before because they lose their money. They weren't prepared for that lifestyle. They wanted it, but they didn't know what to do with it when they got it. We want to be those who walk in the lifestyle of God Almighty. That's who he created us to be, and that's what he sent his son for. So we want to walk in that at all times and all places always. Righteousness comes the moment that one receives his divine nature and becomes the righteousness of God in Christ. If you have received Jesus Christ, then you no longer should be striving for the force and power of the righteousness of God. It is already there with you. However, if you don't unlock it and pour it out, it's just, it's restricted and imprisoned. It's in you, but you can't get it out. It's in you, but you don't let it go. It's in you, but it's so foreign to you that it's like putting diesel fuel in a high-octane car. You say, it doesn't work. It's not running in me. We need to understand what the righteousness of God is and how to unleash it in our hearts and in our lives. 2 Corinthians 5:21. 21. It's, it's, it's a primal foundation word for this study in righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5:21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. For he made him, who made him, and who was made? God the Father made Jesus the Son. To what? To be sin. Not just for you. Yes, sin for us, but to be sin. You understand, sin has a nature. There's a nature called sin. Sin. And and, and the nature of sin has a father, and he's called the devil. And until somebody has that nature transformed and changed, their nature is that of the devil. Jesus himself said to what? The believers in his own faith, he said, your father is the devil. You're still operating in the wrong nature. You have the sin nature. So there's a nature. There's the nature of sin, and there's the nature of righteousness. He was made sin for us who knew no sin, what does it mean he never sinned? But it's more than that. Which one of you can say that you never knew sin? Not me. I know you all better than I am, but not me. Which one of you could say that you still don't sin? But he never knew sin. I shared with you before, he was crucified for reasons that had nothing to do with sin. He was crucified because he said, I'm the son of man. He was crucified because he healed on the Sabbath and he was crucified because he told them that he was the king. They crucified him for that. And all of that was true. He never sinned. they couldn't find sin by which to attach to him. He knew no sin. He was sinless. Even the sinful on the cross said, this man is without sin. We belong here. He doesn't belong here. Sin, no sin, sin, no sin. And so we see he was made to sin, which means that the whole sin nature that is in the universe was ingested by Jesus Christ. He didn't just, just die for your sins. He became sin. He had to become sin in order to overcome sin. And because he became sin, we have a way and a path that's out of that nature. And it says that because he became sin, it was so that we might be made the righteousness of God. Now, we're going to go back to righteousness a little bit. We're laying a foundation here. I seem to be cutting in and out a little bit with the volume. Okay. So we seem to be, am I cutting in and out a little with the volume? A little bit. Get the So i have to try to talk louder or something. I don't know what I'm going to do here. All right. Righteousness is not an experience. It's not an experience. You may have manifestations of righteousness, and you could have some marvelous experience about righteousness, but it's the very nature of what God has imparted to us in Jesus Christ. It's more than an experience, it's a nature. When you begin to accept and believe and act that righteousness is your nature, you begin to have a much better feeling and thought of yourself. Not that you're beyond the, the, the need for God. Not that you're beyond confessing our sins and reconciling with God when we stumble and fall. Not that by any means we could say we're perfect in our actions, but you are perfect in your nature. Hmm? Either you are or you're not. Either you have sin nature or you have righteous nature. Did the death and life and resurrection of Jesus Christ have nothing to do to give you a right nature? Or was it just to help you forgive sins and don't think I'm making mirror of it, but it's so much more than that? Because there's two kinds of sin consciousness in the world today, we'll get to in a moment. Righteousness is not an experience, even though it gives birth to many. The revelation of righteousness comes when we understand the transformation of the glory of God. We'll get into that in a moment. First and foremost, let's talk about who we are. We are a very peculiar generation, unlike any other generation born since the creation of the world and the creation of mankind. We are the ones that have been put on this earth to at this time prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, his second coming. There was much said about the first coming, and there was things to do to prepare for it, but nobody got it, very few. John wasn't really even sure himself. We have a church that thinks it has a roadmap to the second coming of God. I dare say to you, the church is very confused. There's all kind of roadmaps, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. It's all around the trib. But yet the gospels tell us we've been in tribulation since Christ was risen. We're in tribulation. We've been in tribulation. Tribulation isn't a period measured by a piece of time. It's a nature And the tribulation of the nature that we come against is only overcome by the righteousness and the power of God, his glory in us. And so we go further. This peculiar generation, we have influences, we have operative actions, I call them, at work in this prophetic time that we're living in so that we can become believers in a supernatural force called the righteousness of God. Called more than that, it's called faith and power to overcome. We have been called by a very special elite action force. It's called overcomers. And and it has its own little slot in the book of Revelation. These are those who overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. What is our testimony? Is it one, oh my, the doctor said, I've got this for the rest of my life. Oh my Lord God, oh my Oh my, oh my, she's mad at me. She's leaving. I'll never see her again. Oh my, oh my, my child has just fallen off the map. You should see what they're doing. They're into some dark stuff. Oh my, oh, what's the word of our testimony? I'm going to be poor the rest of my life. I'll never be able to pay my bills. I'll never be able to have something that I need. What's the testimony of our life? But we overcome by the blood of the lamb. Guess what you have to do about the blood of the lamb? Nada. Nothing. Guess what you have to do about the word of your testimony? Everything. You have a play in it to become an overcomer. But yet God has given you that specific capacity. God will never give you a vision that doesn't already have the provision. He will never give you a mission where he doesn't already provide everything that you need to do. We have a corporate mission. We're called overcomers to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And the message that God wants out to the church in this day is to understand how we interact with it, what the righteousness of God is, and that we are walking with the fullness of everything that he has and is for us in the now, in the now. That requires us to adjust a lot of things, especially our thinking. If our thinking is that we're going to measure the, the, the miracle of God in our life by what we see, what we hear what we taste, what we feel, then guess what? You'll always come up short. Because you can't see, taste, feel, or touch God in the physical. He's in another dimension. We have to think in that dimension. We have to declare in that dimension. We have to walk in that dimension. And one of the things that I do all the time in order to get there is I forget about this. I forget about time. If I begin to time God's move in my life, I always find out that I can't tell God what to do and when to do it. So take this and put it aside. It's good to be on time. I'm always on time for appointments and meetings. I'm a stickler on that. But I'll tell you what, God could care less about that watch. It doesn't matter to him. You think God is watching seconds ticking off? I don't think so. I think God has a lot more to do than to be worried about time. I'm sure he doesn't care in the least about time zones like we do. And he doesn't have to wonder about whether he's on time or out of time or ahead of time. Time is in God. God is not in time. Time is in God. God is not in time. Time adjusts to God. God does not adjust to time. So with us, we need to quit measuring God by time. But the Lord told me this. He might have. And if you want to believe that he did, then maybe you have the faith that Noah had. How many years ago did God tell Noah? A hundred years ago. When did God tell Abram? Way beyond his time. God's time is not our time. He will surely do what he said to do. What will we say? You must overcome. You already have overcome by the blood of the lamb. Now you need to overcome by the word of our testimony. This has to be our word. Righteousness of God. We're peculiar people. And we have the power to overcome and the knowledge. We have the ability to have the knowledge of the fullness of the glory of God. Stop and think about that a moment. We have the ability to have the knowledge of the fullness of the glory of God. The Lord was so certain of that, he said a time would come on the earth, and I believe it's coming now, when he said the whole whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Well, look to the person to your left and right, but just do it, you know, Kindly, politely. And I don't know, do they have the knowledge, the fullness of the glory of God? How about outside these four walls? How how about outside of this ministry where I constantly teach about the glory of God? Do people have the knowledge of the fullness of the glory of God? If they did, they'd be walking completely different, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? There would be lives. You know, I'm I'm living for the day. (laughs) This is a little crazy sounding now. Janine, this is nuts. I'm living for the day that I no longer call something a miracle. I want to call it the new norm. I want to call it the new norm. A miracle is when something happens that otherwise you didn't think was going to happen at all. You see, I want to have faith, and I want us to believe, and I want to walk with a whole bunch of people that believe the same way that says, You know what? This is the new norm. It's all about God doing something, everything we need all the time. I'm not calling it a miracle. I'm calling it God alive in me today. The new norm. Everybody talks about the new norm. Social media is the new norm. Everything's the new norm. There's all kind of new norms. How about God alive in our hearts and lives and everything we do, acting and interacting in everything that happens all the time? I like that new norm a whole bunch. We'd have to think of a name for that. Y'all start writing me names about it. We're going to call it something. We're going to name it. The supreme need of the church at this hour is to know what we are in Christ how the Father looks upon us, and what he considers us to be. Now, righteousness is a part and parcel of the divine nature of God. Let me repeat that. I'm I'm giving you some of the stuff that I've written. Righteousness is a part and parcel of the divine nature of God. When we talk about the divine nature of God, Peter said we have partaken of the divine nature of God. That means that we've ingested it. That means that it's who we are now. It's been imparted to us through Jesus Christ, the divine nature, right? Righteousness is a part and parcel of that divine nature of God. You can't have righteousness aside from having all of God. You can't just take out a piece of righteousness no more than you could take out a sliver of faith or a sliver of grace. They're commingled. You can't separate them. There's no sifter in religion or theology that says this is about faith, this is about grace, this is about righteousness, because it's all embodied in the very persona of who who God is. It's all embodied in his essence. It's his being, and that being is called glory, glory. Jesus made it very clear He didn't say, I'm going to give you the righteousness of God so you can be one as we are. He didn't say, I'm going to give you more faith so you can be one as we are. He didn't say, I'm going to give you more love even so that you can be one as we are. He said, Father, let them be one even as we are one. And to make them one, I give them the glory that I had with you always, that I had with you always. So what we understand is with a big capital G, God glory, the God glory is all the God stuff. It's everything that God is. Now, embedded embodied, in, embedded and embodied in that nature of God, that's the divine nature of God. Embedded and embodied in that is an attribute called righteousness. But that attribute isn't like a DNA molecule. That's why I, I cringe when I hear people say we have the, you know, the DNA of God. No, 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 God doesn't have flesh. We have the divine design attributes of God. I don't want flesh. You can have the flesh. The flesh doesn't do so good for me. I mean, look what happened with the flesh. You look like this. You walk like this. All kinds of things happen. Your 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 bones ache, your muscles I don't want the flesh. I want the divine design attributes of God. I want to know that by his stripes I am healed. I don't want the sickness in my body. I don't want to glorify DNA. I want to glorify DDA, the divine design attributes of God. Because what we say out of our mouth is what we become. You want the DNA? You get the DNA. I want the DDA. I want the divine design attributes of God. I try to lasso this tongue to say the things of God. And it doesn't want to say it all the time. In fact, most of the time I have to fight it. Most of the time my tongue and my mind and my heart are in warfare. But by the grace of God, I overcome by the word of this testimony. The word of this testimony has to overcome all the rest of it. Because that nature of sin consciousness is constantly trying to find its way back into my spirit. I'm probably the only one in the house, right? Not your spirit too. That sin nature constantly wants to find a foothold back in our spirits, it constantly wants to transform us back to darkness from light, it can't stand the light, it's, it's like a thief and a robber, I don't know about you, but I don't know why, but one of, I mean, you know, God knows I had my vices growing up, God knows, you know, I was a wild man, but the one thing that I never could tolerate was a thief, even thieves that I was in conjunction with, I didn't like them. Thieves steal from thieves. Thieves steal from everybody. The devil is a thief. He's trying to steal your divine nature. And he does it by implanting little things into you. And just when you think you're getting it right, don't you know that he'll send somebody around to give you the negativity that you don't want? Huh? Oh, you're never going to change. You've been like this all your life. Or you're going to die. You've been living like that. You're going to die. Instead of speaking life, we speak death. The consequences of sin is, oh, guess what? The consequences of sin to the one who's been born again and walking in the righteousness of God can be totally evaporated if all things are new. But what is your mindset? What do we say? What is our confession? What is our confession? So back to righteousness. Righteousness is indeed a part and parcel of the divine nature. And this nature is imparted to regenerated man at the very moment that we're born again. Now, there's some religions that say they're Christian. They hate that born again statement. I don't know why. Have you ever figured that out? Why do they hate the born again statement? I remember once I was with a man who happens to be in jail right now. And we were in a public company together, and we were in an airplane at about 41,000 feet. And I had just completed the largest uh, uh, finance uh, uh, structure for that business that I'd ever done. We were on our way back from Wall Street. He said, boy, you must be feeling really good about yourself. I said, no. Nah. I said, I'm a, I'm a little intimidated right now. I said, I don't know, what, what, you know what's expected of me next. How will I ever overdo that one? And, and, uh, and then he said to me, well, I know what I'm going to do with my money. And he went on to tell me all these things he was going to do. And he said, you know what gets to me? And by the way, he was, you know, a major denomination. Mother was a missionary. He says, you know what gets to me? Those born agains. I said, really? Tell me. Oh, yeah, those born-agains, they think they got it all right. They think they're better than everybody else. I mean, you know, those born-agains, they just wild. And I smiled, and I looked at them. I said, I'm one. And that was the end of that conversation. He didn't want to touch it again. Mainstream religion makes a quack out of a board again it does, but we must be born again in order to have the new nature of God. Without the new nature of God, we're still subject to sin consciousness of the old nature. The old nature is, has, has a nature to it. It has a substance to it. It's called sin, and that sin has a father, and he's called the devil. So when you're in the old nature, you're a child of the devil. People don't like that, but that's a fact. That's why he says, be careful who you're yoked to. Be careful, he said, sin cannot be yoked to righteousness. You end up getting a bad, bad result when you yoke sin to righteousness, right? That's how you get goats. Goats come out of sin yoked to righteousness. I'm talking about spiritual goats, not goats' goats. Goat goats, they're disobedient and ornery. Christian goats are just as disobedient and ornery. So we need to understand that there's there's a path to righteousness. You become regenerated man at the moment of new birth. And we, we have discovered now, and this movement's been going on for a while, but I first announced it as the late hour of his glory in 1981. And that was the first series and set that I did, and I released it through Pleasant Valley Church, and then I preached it around the world, and people got many of those series. It's like a five, six... Uh, uh, old cassette deck teaching series about the late hour of his glory. And we have discerned that the substance of the divine nature of God revealed to us is glory. Glory is the essence of the divine nature as best as we can know at this time. Why? Because that's what Jesus called it. That's what the Father called it. The Father said, I won't give my glory to another. Jesus said, let's give it to them so they can be one just as we are one. He said, and so I give them the glory so that they can be one. Jesus calls it glory, I receive the glory. Yes, the righteousness, yes, the faith, yes, all of the other good attributes of God with it, but they're all merged into the glory of God. So now we have a task, and we have to take this task very fearfully. This task is how do we spiritually dissect the glory of God so that we can understand different attributes of God without minimizing any of God. Let me say it again. How do we spiritually dissect the glory of God so that we can assess different attributes of God without minimizing God? Give us some examples. Somebody's really into super grace and hydro grace, and they put all these names on it, and grace, 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 grace. I love grace. I'm all about grace. But then somebody's into faith. Faith, 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 faith. And someone else is into the supernatural. And it's all about the supernatural, the supernatural, the supernatural. And somebody else is in wisdom. And boy, especially in the middle of the night, about four or five, this guy's on for hours and hours about wisdom. Everything's about wisdom. Everything's reduced down to wisdom. And so wisdom competes with faith. And faith competes with love. And love competes with grace. And grace competes with the supernatural and when all is said and done, you got a big mixed pie that nobody wants to eat because it's too hard and too complicated. So we have to be careful as we dissect the glory of God. That's why we use a special tool called the living word. Guess what it is? It's a two-edged sword, and it cuts asunder to the very marrow and the deep so that we can understand. We always want to dissect and understand what the living word of God nobody's simple one-path way but the living word of God. And aren't we blessed that God has given us literally the best written book in the entire world ever written that contains that word so that we can know if only we will know? So we go back to the word of God to dissect the glory of God to try and understand for this journey the exercise of God. For the word of God is living and powerful. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, we like to apply that to what? To man, to creature. But guess what? The word of God also discerns the heart of God. It's a two-way path. If, he, if we are the righteousness of God and the word of God is discerning the righteousness in us, guess what standard it's discerning it to? The righteousness of God. Everything is according to what? The, as we started off, we want to know the ultimate truth. We want to know the absolute truth. And that's only by God's standard, who he is. So the word of God is a discerner in us according to the standard of God. We have properly discerned when we achieve the standard of God and what we're trying to understand. Does that make sense to you? When someone's going, uh-oh, uh-oh. We'll make it real simple. You go to the carnival, and you know you, you grab that great big hammer, and it's got the thing that runs up and rings the bell, and you're going to hit it down, and it goes to four. And you sort of shiver back into your shell, Try to hold on to your biceps so nobody looks at you while you walk away, because you only got a four out of it. And then macho man comes and he hits the bell and it goes up to 10 and he wins the prize. And everybody goes, ooh. That's the standard and the measure is 10. God is a 10. God is the fulfillment. He's the completion, 10 is completion. We must be those who strive to ring the bell. We must be those who say, I'm not gonna be satisfied at this level. I want this level of God. And here's the good news. We can attain it. We can attain it. God says, if any of you ask wisdom, ask me. If you need knowledge, go for it. You want faith? Ask me for it. Ask God. You want the gifts of God? Ask God for the gifts of God. God makes it simple. Ask me. But are you willing to pay the price once you ask? God never said that you were just going to have a download. You have to labor and work towards it and so we strive and work. The living Word of God is alive and powerful, and it's moving in us in ways that are different. It cuts through all of the spiritual fabric of knowledge. The living Word of God gets through all the junk and takes us to where we need to go, to the very foundation. Now, let's go back to this, another attribute of God, and this is the one that opens things up. It's called faith, right? I wanna go to Romans 10 verses 8 through 10. We're going to go about another five minutes, and we're going to leave this off and pick back up on it, Lord willing, week to week until we finished it. But I promise you this, if you stay with me on this, when we're all done, if you really and truly hang with it, you will walk with your feet 10 feet off the ground as a powerful, righteous soul and spirit creature of God walking in the righteousness and the power of God, no longer moving to and fro from the whims and ways of the winds of life. You will take authority over your life. Oh, you may not know it sometimes, right? How about Paul? You know, he's on a boat on his way to Rome. Shouldn't have been going there in the first place for something he didn't do, preaching the word of God. And he was on his way there. God said, you're going to Rome, and the people on the ship wouldn't listen to him, and they shipwrecked. They ended up on this little island called Malta. Well, Malta means refuge. There were prisoners on that island. They were out in the middle of nowhere. I believe somebody somewhere somehow was praying to a god they weren't sure there was and saying, get me off of this island, because there was no other way out. And all of a sudden, here comes the greatest apostle alive on the earth at that time by a shipwreck. You think he was happy on a shipwreck? You think he really enjoyed that moment? It was a a wonderful terror moment of excitement that he got, you know, overboard and washed up on this this island, and all of a sudden they receive him. They're so happy to see somebody. They receive him, and there's about 270-some of them, and they want to make a fire. They make a fire. He says, I want to be just like them. I don't want to be super apostle. He's helping them gather the wood. And all of a sudden, a viper jumps out of the fire and latches on him. It didn't just bite him. It latched on (laughs) him. He looks at it. You think what he was going to say, what's going on here? I'm supposed to be in Rome. I'm not even supposed to be here. He latches it off. What's the first thing they say to him? The goddess justice, he must be a murderer, is, is dealing with him. That's the reason of man. That's the reason of injustice. Paul shakes it off, and now all of a sudden he doesn't die, and they say, oh, he must be a god. So they went from one extreme to the other extreme, trying to discern the truth of God with no understanding whatsoever about God. Paul ends up praying for one person, they get healed, and the whole island gets saved. Malta becomes a city of refuge in the middle of a prison place for God. So your life could come in different ways. God could throw you a curveball. You could be happy one day and all of a sudden you're in a hospital. You don't know who you are, where you're at and why you're there. But God has a testimony for it. Even to the hospital medication, medical person that doesn't want to pay your bills because you had a miracle. God has something for them too. We may get something given to us that we don't like. We may have to overcome an illness. We may have to overcome setbacks. We may have to overcome a lot of things. But here's the difference. You shall overcome if you believe and say you shall overcome. Or you can get stuck short with the bell going, you know, the thing that rings the bell. What do you call that? You're about as good as I am. Whatever you hit and it goes up, it hits the bell. I don't know what that thing is. Wherever it's at, you could be stuck at a 3, a 4, a 5, a 6, or a 7. You could come up this close and fall short. You want to ring the bell. And you ring that bell by making it a lifestyle. What is your lifestyle? Is your lifestyle, now I can tell you this already. You know, I rub a lot of people wrong. <laughs> How come you're laughing? I mean, I rub them wrong from the White House to the Buck House. Bucka House. For those of you who are Italian, that's what we used to call the Bacca House. Where you go doo doo in the old days, the Baca House, from the White House to the Baca House. A lot of religious people don't like me. A lot of cults don't like me. Boy, they, they love to take shots at me. I, I, I could tell you, I could give you a list of the types of people who don't like me because I believe in the absolute power of God in everything. Because if God said it, I believe it and I don't care what the world says. I'll die full if that's what I need to do. And I've put it on the line many times. So I understand that I preach a very difficult message, but it's a message of truth and power. It's the one that makes a difference. And, 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 and I pray that if you stick with it, you'll get to that point and you'll say, you know what, I'm happy at this place. And then you'll practice it. So what does it say in Romans 10, 8 through 10? But what said, what said it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach. Next verse. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Next verse. For with the heart man believes too, and with the mouth confession is made too. Just because you're saved doesn't mean your heart believes you're righteous. Think about it for a moment. This is what you need to deal with once you're saved. The blood took care of that. You need to take care of the other part of it. And you do that by understanding and believing the word of God and then practicing it in every aspect of your life. Not just as needed. The world responds as needed. God responds in every aspect of our lives at all times. You know, I was... Asking the Lord this week, I said, "Father, I, I have this difficult task that I prophesied upon myself eight years ago with Whitaker Publishing, and you made it happen, and here I am, and I am so unprepared for this, and I don't have the time. And you know what God started to do? In the middle of the night, He started downloading everything I needed to know for this. And I get up in the morning,. <laughs> My wife asked me last night, what are you working on? Righteousness. The other morning, what are you working on? Righteousness. God downloaded it because he knew that I would need it at a time like this. And he understands I am spiritually ADD. I get bored. I don't want to say the same things the same way people said them over and over and over. You don't need to be preached at about salvation every Sunday. Come on, please. Either you're saved or you're not saved. Evangelism only takes us so far. Evangelism gets you to the point of saying, Yes or no, I accept Jesus Christ. But it's having the confession of our mouth that comes forth with our heart that changes it so that we believe to righteousness. That's what we need to do. And that's what I want you to do. Faith opens the door for degenerate man. It's by your faith. Sometimes it's so simple, sometimes it's by half chance Sometimes we're not even sure if it was honest. Degenerate man is chained to something called sin consciousness, and it's the nature of a sinner. Sin consciousness is constantly trying to find a way to just put sin aside and keep on living the same old way. It always lies to itself about time. Tomorrow, I'll deal with it. Next year, I'll deal with it. I don't need to deal with it right now. By the way, look, it's working. God's given us grace, and so we say, well, I can get away with this Or we look at somebody else who's practicing sin and we say, well, they're okay with it. Or how about when we look up to somebody else and they say, well, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Sin consciousness is always trying to find its way back in to the believer. And we need to understand that there are two types of sin consciousness. One is the person that doesn't believe at all in God. That's sin consciousness. And the other one is the one who's accepted Christ but hasn't perfected and matured in God. They stop on that meter that goes up to ring the bell somewhere in between and never go back up to it. And they're staying right there. They're stuck with a sin consciousness in a a regenerated body which means old things haven't passed away and all things are made new. It means some things passed away, but some things are still old. And that's where the body of Christ is stuck today. We don't want to be stuck. We want to come out of that. So we're going to have a wonderful time dissecting in the fear of God, according to the word of God, the substance and essence of the divine nature called glory. We're going to break it down into righteousness, the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God gives you every legal standing, not only before God, but before all of evil, to say, I reject that, I receive this. This has power in my life, this has no power in my life. When you know and walk that you are the righteousness of God in Christ, disease cannot stay in your body. I'm telling you, disease cannot stay in your body. Will it try? yes can it overcome you No, you are the righteousness of God in Christ you say pastor that's wild yes it is do you think there's any disease in the nature of God huh do you think there's any generational curses in the nature of God so either the word I'm preaching to you is fallacy or it's truth but I know it's truth because it's the word of God and that word is infallible it's everlasting it stands it has power I want to give you good news today. You are not even who you think you are. You're far greater. Nobody can esteem themselves at the level that God has put you at. It's incomprehensible for us. No matter how much you dwell on it and believe it, you are far greater than you even think of yourself. God has made you like himself. He created man and woman in his image and in his likeness. And he sent his son to recreate us back into his likeness. (coughs) Little bone to chew on. Image. You became the image of God again when you were born again. The blood covered it away. You were washed anew. You became the image of God again. But we all get stuck between the image and the absolute divine truth of becoming his likeness. Do you think God has negative things to say about what he can do? Do you think God worries one bit about who's trying to do what wrong here on the earth? Oh, it might hurt his heart. I believe he has compassion. I believe our Lord and Savior still cries and has tears when every soul is lost, when he not only died for your and mine sins, but for every man's sin. He died for all the sins of the world. So when somebody's lost, they didn't need to be lost. I'm sure that breaks Jesus's heart. I'm sure he says, but that didn't need to happen. I'm sure he remembers specifically the sins of that person who died in their sin, not categories of sins. He died for your personal sins, all your sins. And not only that, he paid the debt for them. He paid the debt for our sins. So yes, I believe his heart breaks when he sees somebody die in their sins. But I don't think God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are surprised by one thing that happens on earth. I think they got it right in their hands. And they give us something called free will the will, so that He doesn't just make us into these robotic images of Himself, but He gives us the capacity to become His likeness and then to exercise in that likeness here on earth. Let me tell you something. You know, my friend, Jim, my brother, elder of this church, he, he, he got the report he expected this week, no cancer in his kidney. He kept telling him, I don't have cancer, I don't have cancer, right, Jimmy? I don't have cancer. Because he received this, believes it, and put it into action. Now, the doctors didn't take that too easy at first, huh? Jimmy, no, you need to do this, you need to do this. He said, I'll do it, but I don't have it. Right up to the moment, They checked him again, he said, they don't have it. I don't have it. You see, you could even be right now suffering from a disease. First of all, let me ask you this question. Whose disease is it? Is it yours? No. Don't say I have, I am. My diabetes, my Crohn's disease, my heart problem. My, no, 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 no. That's not your nature. That's not your nature. Let me ask you a question. You had a child, and there's your child, and a skunk comes into the room. You say, look at my skunk that just came in the room. What do you do with the skunk? You throw it out of the house. I know what Ralph would do it, he'd bring it to my daughter's pond and drown it. That's what he does when he catches wild animals. Kimmy sends them to the pond, and he drowns them. Is that your skunk? Is that your disease? No, it doesn't belong in your nature. You're the nature of God. You're the divine nature of God. You either are or you're not. Now you may have to fight, but your fight is the fight of faith. Your fight is the fight of faith. And sometimes people could hijack my faith or your faith and we'll take them to a place they couldn't go. But I've seen people get their healings and lose them because of what they say out of their mouth. I've seen it and and I don't get angry. I get frustrated and I'm willing to go again. Let's get you healed again. But this time, how about you adjust your language? How about when the doctor says, well, it could come back. You look at him and say, I'd slap you if I wasn't a Christian. There's nothing coming back in this body. How about when they tell you the word remission? No, there ain't no such thing as remission. Guess what? Deliverance gone. History, heal! It's all faith. We have to walk in that faith. And we have to declare that faith. We have to believe that faith. You may have symptoms. Don't believe the symptoms. Believe the faith of God, whose nature's in you. This is a beginning. This is like, you know, I know I'm outdating myself because I wrote in a book that book, The Mystery of the Spheres. I put pablum in the lady editing didn't know what pablum was. I said, oh my God. Well, I haven't, you know, I didn't buy anything for babies in a long time. I don't like pablum. See, some of you know what pablum is. I said, you know, the church wants to be fed with pablum, but I'm not a pablum feeder. I'm not. Even with new believers, I believe they can just start getting it and receiving it. Paul had that nature. He said, quit drinking milk. I say, quit drinking pablum start eating meat get what god has because if we only drink milk we stay at that level forever the bell never rings we got to go beyond it we got to go beyond salvation i love evangelists but evangelists take you to being saved and that's it and then what happens then what happens people walk around aimlessly and they say wait a minute this born again stuff isn't really working for me you see i know that because it happened to me I thought that was gonna answer all my questions, was gonna redeem everything, was gonna reconcile everybody, was gonna make me liked again. Guess what, it got worse. I couldn't understand it. I was saved. But we need to mature. We need to be equipped. We're supposed to be equipped. We're supposed to be built up and edified in the things of God. So we're gonna take a wonderful walk together. A walk to fully understand and get the revelation of righteousness. Christ in you. Not only the hope of your glory, but he's the oath of his glory to you. Father, give them the glory that I had with you always. That's an oath. And Lord, I give it to them. That's the oath of God. That's powerful. That's powerful. See, hope has to become substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped hope for. I don't want to stop at the hope of glory. I want to stop at the knowledge of glory. Amen? Hope of glory hits number five on the meter to ten. I want to ring the bell. I want you to ring the bell. I want you to be spiritually strong warriors. Last point, then we're going to have communion. I'm sorry, but I'm not a proponent of constant spiritual warfare. I'm just not. Been there and done that. Where's you out? Everything becomes seen through the eyes of warfare. I like the idea of resting in the power of God. I like the idea of knowing that no matter what comes suddenly, I have the power right here to talk it right down. And say, stop! In the name of Jesus was somebody being delivered recently i was called in i said shut up i didn't get religious i didn't get on my knees oh jesus i didn't put the bible on their chest and a cross on their head looking for it to burn in there i didn't start trying to discern every devil that was in the room i said shut up Now I'm going to do what I came here to do. Get out. Power. Power of God. And I could go in there and over-spiritualize it. We could wrestle them demons all day long and all night long. Why? Why? When God said we have the power. Why walk in the fear of what's on this earth when we're the overcomers and we have dominion? Why wonder what to do God's already told us what to do.